Hey everyone, please be advised that this episode contains discussions around spiritual abuse, religious trauma, and other sensitive topics. The content may be distressing or triggering for some individuals, so if you feel uncomfortable or find these discussions distressing, we invite you to prioritize your mental health and well-being and consider skipping this episode. This is the Touchy Subjects Podcast. My name is Erin Billings and I am your host. In this episode, we are going to be talking about how trauma affects the body. And I have two wonderful guests, Risa Sisko, who is a nervous system regulation expert, and Virginia Wingler, a psychiatric nurse practitioner. I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, we are back, and I am here with Virginia and Risa. I am so excited to have this conversation. I have been wanting to have this conversation for literally months, and it took me finding the right people to be like, okay, I'm going to record this. And so I'm so excited to have both Risa and Virginia here. You know, how this came about was I did not really know that I had emotions for about 35 years of my life. And when I realized that I had them, I didn't know what to do with them. And then I realized that our body actually keeps the score. I just happened to read that book, which is a good book. It's a little bit dry. But when I read it, I was like, oh, my God, this makes so much sense why I've had all of these health struggles. And so that's really how this episode came about. And I'm so thankful to have both of you here with me recording it. So I'm first just going to have you introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, and we'll get into it from there. So Risa, I'll have you go first. Yeah, well, first off, thank you so much for having me and for also having this conversation because I think it is so necessary. And I know for me and, and I'm sure for you guys, this is going to be a big kind of heavy conversation. So first off, I'm Risa Sisko and I am the CEO and founder of Regulate with Risa and I'm a life and business empowerment mentor. And I created my business after I realized that I had been living in my own trauma responses for 20 years without realizing it. Even though my professional career, I was an occupational therapist and dealt with trauma every day and helping people regulate their nervous systems. I didn't fully recognize my own trauma responses until I started my first business. So a lot of that for me started when my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was nine. And I really figured out kind of later on looking back how much my body protected me during that time. And I shut off emotions. I became a people pleaser. I always put other people first. I became a perfectionist and I struggled with severe anxiety and I would say kind of depression throughout that. And it was shortly after my mom started recovering that I started developing a lot of my chronic health conditions. I had hypothyroidism, fibromyalgia, endometriosis, chronic fatigue, um, adrenal fatigue, IBS, like you name it, I probably had it or thought I had it at some point. You know, I was really the walking poster child for The Body Keeps the Score. (laughs) That was like literally me to a T. And I think, you know, from my mom having cancer, I really had this passion for helping other people not feel the pain that I felt. And to not have to go through 20 years of me figuring out, you know, is helping people move through those kind of situations, whether it was big trauma, little trauma, whatever has been holding them back. And that was really kind of for me when I had that aha moment when I I looked back of, oh, I'm actually an expert in nervous system regulation. I should actually use that on myself. And I started regulating my emotions And I started rewriting my subconscious and changing my mindset. And that's for me when I saw just a complete 180 transformation in my life and business. I was having fun for the first time, like since childhood. I was attracting money into my life. 
you know, I just, I felt freedom for the first time. And so really that's kind of today my, my mission is having helped over a thousand clients with their own breakthroughs, with emotional blocks, overcoming challenges, really helping them unlock their unlimited potential that is already within them and to learn how to work with the body, how to process trauma, rewrite the stories that we've been holding on since childhood and to find success in however you define that for yourself. So that is a little bit about kind of my journey and how I got here. Love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Virginia, I'll pass it to you. I am a board-certified psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. I've been practicing for four years. I've been a nurse for 10, and I currently practice in the crisis department of a community health center organization. Um, I have a personal history of childhood trauma. I also struggled with depression and anxiety throughout my teenage years, but I was never really allowed to say that. I didn't really have the freedom to say that until I was much older. So full disclosure, everyone, Virginia literally babysat me. She was in my mom's youth group when my mom was a youth pastor. And so she's literally known me since I was, what, six years old? Yep. So that's a long time. And I'm so thankful to have you here with us And so it's actually interesting because we went to the same church. So we have a lot of the same things that we're probably deconstructing. Absolutely. So I'm going to have you go first and share your deconstruction story and just kind of share with everyone where you kind of landed. I was raised in the same church as Aaron. My deconstruction happened slowly and over time. I had religious trauma when I was a child. Um, One of the youth directors told the whole youth group that I had a history of being sexually abused in a lesson. There were other small, um, not your mama. Um, (laughs) I I had a feeling that it wasn't, but I'm like, no, but horrified Um, for real. You know, there were other little stuff, you know, over the years. Um, I struggled a lot with purity culture because of my history of sexual abuse But really, I started deconstructing when I became a mama. I have two kids, and they are so important to me. And I can remember back about, I'd say, 15 years ago, me and my husband were getting ready for bed, and I said, out of the blue, what if one of our kids is gay? And he goes, we'll love them. And I'm like, of course we will. Duh. That sounds so easy. But that was not how I was raised. I do not want my kids to have a mom that loves them but or isn't anything but 100% enthusiastically celebrating their life and every part of that and seeing them and knowing them and them not having to hide things from me. And it was really that. And I really believe that as much as I don't go to church anymore, but I really believe that that conversation was ordained by God because both of my kids are in the LGBTQ plus community. So, I mean, it was kind of paving the way for me to have the life that I have. Well... I love that you and Greg support your children regardless of their gender identity or regardless of we their just adore them. Yeah. Well, they're great kids from they what are. I can see. So they are. I'm I'm so I'm so glad that you guys know how to love them. Yeah. That's wonderful to see. And that should be a really small step. But that wasn't. And so, you know, it, it took years and I would con- I would still consider myself de- deconstructing and figuring out what I believe and where my relationship with God fits in. And that's why I go to therapy. And, you know, like I sought out a therapist that I knew would be able to help me with that and also all of my other struggles, too. So. I love that. 
I love therapy. You can love Jesus and have a therapist too. I do believe that. For real, Thank though. you. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Risa, I'll have you go next. Yeah. So I feel like very somewhat similar story. And like I grew up in church, like I had volunteered at church, I think probably back starting when I was eight, like I was stuffing bulletins and I worked in like the twos in the four-year-old room and we worked like all the holiday services. You know, my family was was really involved and you know, I think my separation kind of happened slowly over time. It's now finally kind of looking back and, and really seeing that progression now. But I know for me, even when I was probably like 10 or 11, I remember sitting in service and, and just questioning some of the beliefs that were being shared. Like I could never wrap my head around how, you know, one religion, if you weren't a part of that religion, that everyone else was doing it wrong and therefore would go to hell. Like I just, it boggled my mind. And I, I love so much what Virginia said is, we love you, but. And I feel like I've had to, that's probably been the biggest thing I've had to deconstruct is we love you, but there's something always wrong with you that needs to be fixed. I kind of, I noticed for me is like, kind of, I think like most people, I went off to college and, you know, no longer living with my parents. And I kind of stopped going to church at that point. And it wasn't until probably a couple of years ago, my husband and I, we're, we're like super outdoorsy. We live in Arizona. So we love, you know, you'll probably find me on a hiking trail more often than in my office. But I kind of did what, what I call dirt church is I felt so connected when I was outdoors. Like that's when I felt the most spiritually connected. And so that's kind of my way back into it was finding my my own path. And I think that's for me more kind of led to the pathway of spirituality. You know, I find it just so much more accepting than maybe a traditional church or religion is it's kind of let me find my own unique way to connect with, you know, whether that's God, spirit, source, universe, whatever word you want to call it, is I've been able to do it on on my own terms in my own way. And like, I've got to watch my husband who also grew up Catholic and his, kind of he, his own deconstruction story and like his now connection with spirituality and like, we're the same, but we're so different. And that's, I think what I, what I love. But yeah, I, I notice, and I don't know for you guys, I feel like there's kind of four main things that I, I see this in myself. And when I talk with clients is, you know, that deconstruction around sex, money, kind of roles in society and guilt. Like those are the four things I feel like I am constantly kind of, I'll think I'm like, oh, I, I moved through that. And then something will come up and I'm like, oh, that was a story that I learned when I was 10 that I'm still holding on to that I need to go and, and kind of deconstruct a little bit. Oh no, those four categories, that that just hit the nail on the head. Those are the four main things that I think that most people that grew up in a church setting, that whenever they come to age where they can start unpacking their learned belief systems, those are the areas that are like, this doesn't work for me. Absolutely. That's, I, I think, yeah. I think that's the thing. And as somebody who has grew up in a very purity culture kind of situation, grew up where the Bible is God's inerrant word and we do not question, you know, that's that's been the thing that in the back of my mind, as I've deconstructed, it's like, oh, I can question. The Bible actually tells me that I can question. I have permission to question and to unpack. And you know what? I don't think God's mad at me for it. And so that's that's been one of the biggest aha moments for me in my deconstruction is we're allowed to ask questions. God is not offended by my questions. And, you know, that's that's been one of the biggest blessings. So moving into our conversation for today, because I am not a medical professional or a psychological professional or anything like that. I am literally just an advocate, but I want people to hear from professionals like Virginia and Risa. I want to talk about this from a more medical side, but also the physiological and mental and emotional. 
So the first question I have, because there's a lot of people like me that did not know that trauma affects the body. How does trauma manifest in the body? Risa, I'll have you go first. Yeah, I think this is a great question and something we don't think about necessarily. So I kind of think of it as this analogy. You know, if you were out hiking and came across a snake and, you know, jumped like we all would, and if you fell down, you know, the side of the mountain and you broke your leg, you would go probably to the hospital, you would get a cast, you may go to rehab, you would take, you know, a couple of weeks to heal, you would ease back into exercise. You know, we think of that as a very classic physical trauma and we know exactly what to do with that. But when it comes to emotional trauma, I think in our society, we are applauded for, you know, just rub some dirt in it. Just get up and walk it off. Don't worry about it. Stop thinking about it. Just move on. Keep it to yourself. And we don't see the impact that has on our body because that emotional wounds trauma, they do get stored in our body. And oftentimes what I think we see is, this is kind of, for me, one of those big red flags when someone comes and they have a lot of random symptoms that don't make sense. And they probably have gone to the doctor multiple times. They probably have either been told that they were a hypochondriac or think they're a hypochondriac often is because they have all of these kind of random aches, pains, sensations that they don't know how to describe. And often that is actually our trauma, our emotional trauma being stored in our body. And it can be stored really anywhere in our body. I have emotional trauma I had in my feet. I was a runner in high school and I had an injury and I I recovered physically, but it wasn't until 15 years later that I started actually kind of doing some exploration and doing some like body healing. And I like, I touched my foot and I cried for two hours. I had never gone and released the emotional trauma that I was still holding there. And so I think that's one of the amazing things about trauma is when you start to connect in your body, the physical sensations that it it has, is you can start to find it and start to heal it just as we would a broken bone or a sprained ankle. We can, can go in and do it as a different healing process than that, but we can still go in and heal it. But it really is kind of, I think, starts as you getting to know your body because everyone holds trauma differently. We all store it differently. There are some patterns, but everyone is so unique in, in how they hold it. But it is there whether we know it or not. <laughs> Whether we like it or not, it is still there. I love that analogy. Virginia, you have anything to add? Sure. There are many ways that trauma can manifest in the body. In an acute setting, you know, you can dissociate. Some people have derealization, depersonalization, where they don't even feel like they're the, they're a person. You can have disconnection from your body. And it's really your brain does that sort of thing in order for you to survive. So it it might seem extreme, but truly it is to survive. That's that's why our brains do that. And especially when we have big, huge traumas in childhood and we aren't old enough to process what's going on. You know, dissociation is, we all dissociate, but it's the level and magnitude of that dissociation. You can have chronic migraines, gastrointestinal problems that come up all the time. Some people are so disconnected from their body, they can't move, you know, catatonia, nightmares, or sometimes even sleep paralysis. When I assess people uh, as a nurse practitioner and they complain of chronic physical things that aren't really explained, like Risa said, I always think in the back of my head, could this be related to trauma? Because there's unfortunately no medicine that is going to fix trauma. That is incredibly interesting because I have actually been gaslit by medical professionals. I'm sorry. Thank you. But this is not on the questions list, but I just want to go off of what you just said, just based off of my own experience. I know that I'm not the only one that has been medically gaslit by a doctor or a nurse practitioner. And why is it that they 
don't think about those things. Don't they have trauma-informed training? They should. But I also would think it, it takes humility to be able to say, I don't have the easy button for you. I don't have a pill you can take that's going to fix everything. And for me to be able to see someone and set expectations for medications, you know, medications can help. They can sure make it, make therapy and working through your trauma and your stuff easier, but they're not the be all and end all. And so having not only the knowledge, but the humility to say, hey, this isn't going to be everything you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to kind of go off that, because I've I've also been gaslit a lot of times, you know, a lot of my kind of somatic sensations that I had, I had IBS and fibromyalgia. And, you know, when I would go, they would either one tell me that I was basically crazy, that nothing was wrong with me, even though I was like bawling, just sitting in a car seat, like just, I wanted to like crawl out of my skin. I was in so much physical pain you know, or they would just throw a medication at it and say, we'll come back in eight weeks. And it was like, it wasn't until I started healing my own trauma that all of a sudden my IBS went away. I haven't had a fibromyalgia flare. I like my thyroid started to regulate, like all of these things started to change. And it was like, yeah, there was no medication in the world that was going to get me to that place where I wanted to be outside of me doing a lot of deep internal healing. And I think oftentimes when there's not a lot of like medical awareness, because it's still, I think, kind of considered somewhat pseudoscience um, because there's not as much of an emphasis because people don't want that. They want, they want the easy button. They want the pill. We all do. We all want the quick, simple fix. And when it's not, people go, oh, well, I, I tried it. I went to therapy and then it didn't help. But, you know, and I think the important thing to also know is I'm a huge advocate for therapy is you have to find the right kind of therapy because there is a very big difference out there. And, and this is, I think, where oftentimes people are like, well, I've tried therapy and it didn't help. But it's like, you probably didn't find someone who was a somatic therapist who was trained in nervous system regulation who could actually go in and help you with that. They were just working on your mindset and that is not going to touch your body. Right. I recently started looking into IFS, internal family. Mm -hmm. That's just, I thought that it was it, but I just didn't want to say the wrong thing. Uh, and yeah. I recently found that and I'm like, I think that might be what I want to go towards. I've heard really great things about it, but I digress. Uh, how do emotions get stuck in certain organs? Both of you kind of brought up different health situations. And I would love to know, and I'm sure our audience would too, how that happens. I would just say that we're all different. And so, you know, some people like get a tension headache when they're in a stressful situation or hold all their tension in, you know, their neck or their shoulders. That's definitely something. We have serotonin receptors all through our body. People don't think about that. We produce 95% of our serotonin in our gut. So that kind of lets us know why when we're really emotionally distressed, why maybe we have gastrointestinal problems. It's really interesting when you start getting to know like what is produced where, that that really can kind of answer some questions. You brought up internal, is it internal family systems? Inter yeah. yeah. Um, and I would say, you know, generational trauma is also real. You know, epigenetics is, you know... I was reading a little bit today in preparation for this and the eggs that we were made from were in our mom when they were born. So that means that your grandmother's trauma is passed on to your mama and you and, and same thing with your father's. Um, so it's just interesting once you get into it, how we see the world. So, yeah, I think it's also kind of goes back to what your body did in response to the original event trauma. And I think it's important to also understand, I think when we talk about trauma, there's still this 
idea that it has to be something big. Like, you know, we think of a car accident or, you know, you getting cancer or someone getting sick or a big health crisis or sexual abuse or, you know, a lot of these really what I kind of consider big T traumas, but we also have to look at little T traumas. Those are things um, like bullying, things that have been said to you over and over and over again, the recurrence of events. So sometimes we don't always, can't always trace that line back to that original thing. But I, I do see a huge correlation between whatever state your body went into to protect you, that, that state of protection, because that is what our nervous system does, whether that was fight or flight, freeze or shutdown. I often see, you know, when that gets triggered, that you have a very similar response to the original. So if you went into freeze, oftentimes if that gets triggered, you, your body then goes into a similar state of freeze. So it's just, it's interesting to see some of those correlations. Sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't. Some people hold all of theirs in a very specific place and it's in one place on their body and it's like all of their trauma gets stored in one place. Some people, it's more widespread. So yeah, it's always fascinating because everyone is so different. And again, I love that she brought up generational trauma because if you start talking with your parents, start learning about your grandparents and you will probably start seeing very clear patterns in in how everyone processes and stores trauma in your family. It's so true. I was just telling Risa before we started recording that I actually did a womb clearing with a healer that I work with several months back because I've had endometriosis. I've had some really severe issues and I made the conscious decision knowing that there was ancestral trauma that if I did this womb clearing, that would be drawing the line in the sand and saying, it stops with me. And Mm -hmm. that's pretty much the stance that I've taken on with trauma, with abuse, with even deconstruction and advocating for these things is that I want it to stop with me and the people that I'm associated with. So a good question would be, because I just talked about womb clearing, uh, but how do you clear trauma or stuck emotions from your body? Great question. So I have a system that I go through and I use this with myself. I use this with every single one of my clients. And to actually go and process, we have to be in a very specific state to even do that. So I kind of created the system. I call it the emotional regulation triangle. And it describes the five states our body commonly goes into when we experience trauma or or have triggered trauma. So if you can remember five colors, you can remember everything that you need to know about the nervous system. So there's green, red, yellow, blue, and purple. So green is like happiness. This is when I always like to think of this as like vacation vibes. You are on a beach somewhere, not a care in the world. You're having great conversations. Like everything is just easy. That's green. That's where we all want to be the majority of the time. Red and yellow are fight or flight. I actually break those two up because we we use different tools in those states to bring our, our body back into safety. Blue is freeze. If I'm sure a lot of people have probably heard of that, freeze. It's a mix of fight or flight and shut down. I want to, but I can't. I'm excited, but I'm overwhelmed. And this is when we literally will feel stuck, frozen. People will describe this as like they can't move. And then purple is shut down. This is when it feels like you're walking through a fog, disconnected. This is when we can dissociate. We kind of it stop feeling emotions. It's hard to think. It's hard to feel. It's hard to communicate. So to actually go and process or move through trauma, we have to be in green. So this is what I teach all of my clients. The very first thing is we build a toolbox to if you are in red, yellow, blue, or purple, you are not in a state where you can actually process trauma. And oftentimes this is where everyone tries to process trauma. And and then they're they're frustrated because they're like, well, I didn't make any progress. The only state that you can process in is green. So the first step is you have to get into that state. And so we use tools to get you into that calm, regulated state. And then from there, then actually bringing in like IFS work is phenomenal, doing parts work. Um, I then usually will take clients once we kind of do that and go and like bring up the trauma and let it come to the surface is then we have to go in 
usually do some subconscious work because we're, we've been holding these stories, these limiting beliefs that have been just been playing over and over and over in our mind for, for, you know, like for me, 20 years, they start to become our reality. So we go and we rewrite our, our own reality and we can do that in our subconscious. And then the last step is the mindset work is that's when we can go and actually make those subtle shifts in our, our lived reality, what we're currently experiencing. So I really see it as a, a multi-step process. It's not just a, you go and use a, a tool and then like, ah, I'm healed. Ah. Everything's like fine and dandy is it's usually a multi-step process to really actually move through it. And then as, as I'm sure everyone wants to hear this, but as you kind of level up in, in life, you, you change your energy state, you rise into a new level of yourself. Oftentimes those old wounds, those old triggers get triggered again in a new way. And so you are constantly getting to go back and revisit them and heal them. And I think, you know, how I see it is our nervous system is the deepest form of unconditional love on this planet. It loves us so much that it doesn't want us to feel pain. And that is what we experience when we have guilt, shame, anxiety, depression, anger, frustration. That's our body's way of protecting us, showing it that it loves us. So when we have those emotions come up, instead of meaning it with like, oh, again, I got to heal this again. It's like, oh, thank you. Thank you for coming back and showing me love and showing me where I need to heal. I love that. I recently heard one of the healers that I work with. She said, healing is the first step. It's not the, people think of it as the destination. But it's actually the starting point. And so that that confirms everything she said. Virginia, do you have anything to add from your experience? The first thing I would say is that you need to acknowledge that there's a problem. So many people were taught to bury this stuff or, you know, put a lid on it or not acknowledge that it's there. Be gentle with yourself as you realize you need to sit with the emotions that you've been holding or burying. I find inner child work very helpful. Some people do shadow work, uh, which is getting in touch with the parts of yourselves uh, that have been repressed or denied for years. I like what Risa said about, you know, there is no timeline, no deadline for healing. I was raised where you were healed, period. Like, and if you weren't, and if it came back up, there was something wrong with you because the healing was perfect. So <laughs> so the amount of compassion I have had to have for myself to realize that healing is not a destination. It is a journey and it is a wonderful journey that you can still have joy on even when the, the feelings come back up, the guilt and the shame and everything comes back up and, and reminds us you know, of the things we need to work on again. You can still have joy in that. No, that's that's so true. That's actually, I think what I'm learning right now is you can have joy with the pain. Like really understanding duality and how not everything is good or bad or positive or negative. It just is. And you can sit with that and it's okay. And I don't think we were taught that in the church. You know, like you said, I was raised to think that healing was instantaneous, like watching Benny Hinn with his jackets winging it around and everybody falling out and they're healed. It's not like that in real life. And unfortunately, that's what was like ingrained in the back of my head. But the older I've gotten and the more I've had to heal, I'm like, oh, that instant stuff was just that's not it. That's not it's not really how it works. Not that I don't believe that it can't happen. I've seen it happen with my own eyes. It's just, that's the exception, the rule when it comes to healing. Yeah, oh, I resonate with that so much. I think probably one of the biggest like aha moments for me in this journey has been that pain and pleasure can all feel pleasurable. And, you know, when it feels good, life gets to be amazing. And when it feels bad, life is still really amazing. 
is when you turn that pain and make it feel good in your body. Oh, it's like, yeah, there's no day that's never not good anymore. Even when it's hard, even when there's struggles, every day gets to be amazing. I agree. So I want to go more into the nervous system stuff because... Again, didn't know this existed until about two years ago. (laughs) And actually, right now, I am personally dealing with a lot of nervous system issues. Actually, I have lymph nodes all throughout my body that are like enlarged and inflamed. And so I'm actually researching all of this stuff on my own because of my own health journey. But how does trauma affect the nervous system? You know, we have the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous systems. And the sympathetic is, you know, that fight or flight. Um, and the parasympathetic actually calms us down. And, but if you are in chronic trauma, your sympathetic nervous system is just kind of on overdrive. Maybe there is adrenaline all the time to keep yourself safe or cortisol going through your body all of the time. And when that happens, your parasympathetic nervous system kind of doesn't know what to do anymore because it hasn't been used because it's always on the back burner. And so that is where you have to know that and be able to start connecting with your being able to calm yourself and learn how to calm yourself. Yeah. So to kind of jump off that, so as an occupational therapist, what we really specialize in is nervous system regulation, but the sensory system. And I think this is so important because you can't talk about the nervous system without also talking about the sensory system. So when we talk about nervous system regulation, and I love what Virginia said is because oftentimes we get stuck in fight or flight, freeze or shutdown without always necessarily being aware of that. But I think it's really important when we talk about regulation is to understand that it may not feel great at first. Because if you've been in fight or flight, like, you know, I was in freeze for 20 years. So actually going into that green state, that calm regulation state at first didn't feel so great because my body wasn't used to that. I had to like slowly over time increase my capacity for that. But the way that we get back there is through our sensory system. So uh, a good way to kind of think about this is if you're having that no good, very bad, horrible, rotten day, and someone comes up to you and says, don't worry about it. You're fine. Just just don't even like think about it anymore. Spiritual bypassing. I, I, like I haven't met one single person who's like, you know what? I feel better now. Oh, thank you so much. I just needed to be told not to worry about it anymore. Is Our nervous system doesn't communicate through words. It communicates through our sensory system. Movement, sight, sound, touch, taste, smell. Those are things that we can use to actually signal to our body to go into that calm, rested state. So, you know, a really quick exercise because I think the fun thing about this is everyone has tools, whether you realize you're using them or not, is... You know, if you drink a cup of coffee in the morning, that is a, a nervous system regulation tool because you get the smell, you get the, the taste and the temperature, which can be very calming to our system. It's part of a routine, a ritual. There's so many like sensory pieces of information from that that are calming you down. And we all have them. If you've ever been in a boring meeting trying to stay awake, you probably, most people will fall into one of these categories. You reach for something really cold to drink something really hot to drink, or you start fidgeting. And like, you know, with your hands, with your foot, is you're trying to keep your body awake. So you're using your sensory system to get you back into that calm state where you're able to pay attention, to focus, to be present. So yeah, the sensory system is where the like magic happens in changing how you feel. I love that. Both of you explained it in different ways, but it all makes sense. And as I'm processing, I'm like, okay, I'm connecting dots in my own life. And I hope everybody out there listening is too. That's important. So by now we've already explained what nervous system regulation is. What are some resources that our listeners would find valuable if they are healing trauma or recognizing that they need to start regulating their nervous system? 
I would say grounding techniques are always great. I think that Risa talked about, you know, your sensory system. Some people like memorize, you know, like let's do the five, four, three, two, one technique or stuff like that to really connect themselves with their world around them. That's too much for me. Um, so I just kind of think what sensory thing would make me feel better right now? So do I need a hot cup of tea? Do I need a warm blanket? Do I need, you know, just thinking of those things that, um, or to cuddle with a human or to, you know, cuddle with a stuffed animal, you know, like just those things that really can regulate us. I found EMDR very helpful personally. Um, I was having intrusive memories three or four times a week that would then really mess up the rest of my day. And after learning safety, because that's the first step of EMDR is really, you know, cementing a safe place and learning how to have that. Then, um, you know, it was only three or four sessions and I uh, specifically EMDR and I don't have those anymore. So it doesn't mess up my week anymore. It's pretty darn great. I would recommend mindfulness. I would recommend yoga or Pilates. I've been doing Pilates three times a week for the last six months and I've never felt better, never felt more connected to my body, which I've been trying to not be connected to my body for a long, long time. And so just being able to say, I am going to mindfully connect with my body right now. I would say also don't be afraid to ask for help. If you don't find the right person, be that a nurse practitioner or a psychiatrist or a provider or a therapist, it's not a failing on your part. There's someone out there for you, just like a life partner or, you know, just keep on trying, keep on working and advocating for yourself. I love that. Would you mind real quick just explaining to people what EMDR, because that is a really effective tool for trauma. EMDR is eye movement resensitization reprocessing, desensitization, reprocessing. Um, and it is pretty much using your body processes trauma and memories every night when we sleep in our rapid eye movement, REM, sleep. And pretty much what EMDR does is it uses that system while we are conscious and awake to process memories and to process trauma. It's pretty darn cool. cool. I am the most skeptical, skeptical person ever. And I thought it was a wizard's wand. So that's pretty cool. I've been looking for a good EMDR specialist. So if you wouldn't <laughs> mind forwarding whoever you worked with, that would be great. Because actually, everybody comes to me <laughs> for referrals. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy to help just because I want to see people healed. Yeah. So Sweet. if you can send it to me, I'll send it to the people that... Uh, need it. I'm actually building a database for referrals because I find this to be so important. I also wanted to say my current therapist really likes the foundation of her therapy is um, the Voice of the Heart podcast by Chip Dodd. Um, and that was really good for me as well. Um, it was helpful for allowing me to accept my emotions and process them. And he's a Christian and believes that we were made with emotions in God's image. And so those emotions aren't a problem. Like they were created there on purpose. And so that was very good for me to hear as well. God is nothing but intentional. Right. Ethan, Tim, <laughs> there's a song about that. Anyways, <laughs> Risa, how about you? What, what resources do you recommend? Yeah, I would say the first step for anyone, if you are in kind of that awareness phase, is first you need to learn what state your body is in before you start using any really tool. Because if there's a mismatch between the tool and the state you're in, you're probably going to feel worse. So I kind of use this as an example, you know, like take fight or flight. You know, for for a lot of us, if you are in that, what I call the red state, it feels like there's a bear two feet behind you and about to attack. You're either going to run or fight for your life. So if you pull out like deep breathing, you are going to feel worse. 
And I mean, how many of us have been told when we're angry, you should breathe. That is the last thing that you should do if you are angry. Same thing if you're in shutdown and you try and deep breathe, you're going to shut your system down even more. So this is why it's so important to understand what state you're in. And you know, I've realized this over time is that there's a lot of information out there, but no one really helps you identify what state your body is in. And so I actually created a quiz that's a couple of simple questions about communication and money and how you manage stress. That's going to help you identify what state you're in. And then there will be a video that walks you through how to build a custom toolbox that is for you in your body. Because I think this is the one of the most important things that any of us can do on a healing journey is know your body. Get in touch. Start to understand what your body is communicating to you. Um, actually, I got a message last week from someone who had taken the quiz. She said she'd been struggling with feeling agitated and frustrated at work, which was then bleeding over into home life. She's like, I was snappy with my kids. I wasn't present. I just wanted to sit on the couch and scroll social media. And she said she took the quiz and found out she was in fight or flight. And she started using the tools that were were made for her. And she's like, I was managing my emotions better at work. And then when I got home, she's like, I actually was playing with my kids. And I was having more fun and I was actually present. And it's like, it's as simple as little things that you can start doing today for yourself as you're working with a trained professional, a therapist or, or you know, a mentor, or whoever you find that is the right fit for you. So if anyone's interested in that quiz, um, you can go find that on my Instagram page at Regulate with Risa. It's the link in my bio. Um, and you can, again, take that and it's going to help you walk through what state you're in and then start building you a toolbox. Send that link to me and I'll put it in the show notes for everybody because I, oh, yeah, I think absolutely. that that will be incredibly helpful. I mean, shoot, I just had an idea while you were talking. I'm like, you should create an app where you can do that in real time <laughs> whenever you're dealing with it and then, you know, have a have a follow-up a video to help you walk through that and walk it back. Oh, that's actually an amazing idea. I'm the idea queen. That's actually a yeah, a very good idea. All right, we're gonna have to chat after this. I, listen, I right. I was at a right. wedding two weeks ago, and I knew that this was going to be one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life because I knew that there was a potential for my abusers to be sitting in that cathedral, and I walked in anyways, and I did it. I did it. And I'm so thankful that I went because I love the people whose wedding it was. And I wasn't going to let somebody who abused me keep me from attending something so special. But there were only two little triggers while I was there. One of them was in the ceremony because the pastor, he went rogue. And what's funny is I spent so much time preparing my nervous system for seeing the abuser that I totally forgot that there was a pastor that was going to be doing a, doing a ceremony and there was potential for triggers there. But I digress. But the other one was during a Christian song that there's so many different layers to. And I actually had to walk out of the reception and I actually, I did some breathing. I didn't do anything too deep because, well, it had to be fast. But I, I knew well enough to know that I needed to excuse myself, take a deep breath, get a drink of water, so that it wouldn't move into a trigger. And I did it. I survived the weekend. I didn't have to deal with any of my abusers, thank God, because honestly, I'm, I'm just thankful I, I, I made it. And, you know, if you're out there listening and you've had to consider if you're going to walk into a room where you would have to face abusers, I want to let you know that you can do it. I would say work with somebody to help you regulate your nervous system so that you can and so that you can be prepared for if they're there or if they're not, or even if they're not there, just handling yourself in a way where you can still be fully present and not let the traumas of your past affect how you are in that moment. Okay, sermon over. So where can our listeners find you guys if they want to connect? Because of my profession, I keep very limited on social media. 
hey, you know what? I respect that. So we'll just tell people about what you do and how wonderful you are. How about you? Yeah. So I primarily work with high achievers, leaders who are struggling with communication, you know, whether that's in their personal life or professional life, making decisions, listening to your intuition, attracting the money you desire, creating the the successful life that you know you are meant for. So I do that inside of my my business program. I have a regulation program that walks you through all the three steps that I explained earlier, how to regulate your nervous system, how to rewrite your subconscious so you can create a new story for yourself, and then how to reprogram your mindset. So that is how I really can best help people. I have um, one-on-one mentorships and I also have a self-paced course. So you can find that information on my Instagram page, Regulate with Risa, or please feel free to reach out to me on on social media. If you have message, if you have questions, please do not hesitate to, to reach out. Great. Well, thank you so much. I learned so much, so I know the audience did too. Thank you guys. I really appreciate you being here. And to everybody out there listening, I hope you have a great rest of your week and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Touchy Subjects podcast. If you would like more information about what we do and who we are and how you can get involved, check out our website, www.letstalktouchysubjects.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Let's Talk Touchy Subjects. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode.